listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey, hey guys, welcome to another episode of She Rises. I'm your host, Giovanna Capoza. And today I have a really special episode for you. I think all of them are special episodes to me. <laughs> I'm interviewing uh, Crystal Andrus Morset. And you might remember Crystal from a previous show that we did with her here on She Rises. In fact, she was my uh, one of my inaugural guests on She Rises. And you can go back to um, the older shows to find that first show of her on here. And she was also my inaugural guest when I had launched my other radio show in 2015. Uh, back then it was called the Delicious Life Radio Show. And I was living in Australia at the time and Crystal graciously agreed to be my first guest on the show as she did when I launched She Rises. So she's, she's pretty special to me. This episode is special as well. Crystal is in one word, amazing. You know, she is someone that has gone through being an actual victim to taking on victim consciousness and allowing that victimization to continue victimizing her and then radically changing that, shifting that and creating an amazing, amazing life. She's one of the most inspirational people I know. I'm honored that she's been on my show now twice. And I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Crystal's going to share uh, deeply with us what her story is and um, what her trials and tribulations were and how she overcame that. A little bit of a technical note is you're going to notice a little bit of garbled uh, static on the line um, at the beginning and small parts in the middle, but bear with us. I was living in Australia at the time, and I guess my Wi-Fi connection wasn't the greatest. So you will still hear Crystal, and, and you'll get a lot from this interview. And again, I'm so excited to share it with you. And I'm excited that you're back here at She Rises and that you come in every week to uh, listen in with me and my friends. So my friends, this is Crystal Andrus Morset talking about women's empowerment and simply women. Enjoy. So when I first heard about Crystal, I was actually approached by someone on her team to contribute some of my writing and articles to her online magazine, simplywoman.com. If you haven't checked that out, I highly encourage you to do that. And when I went to go check it out and I started to learn a little bit more about Crystal and just diving into seeing all of her accomplishments and everything she's done, I just really got the message that, you know, I wanted to reach out and see if Crystal uh, would be one of my guests and indeed my first guest today. So I was so excited uh, when Crystal agreed to do the interview today. So a little bit about Crystal. She is a Hay House published author of the books Simply Empowered, Discover How to Create and Sustain Success in Every Area of Your Life. Also the book Simply Woman, which is a 12-week body, mind, soul, total transformation program and transcendent beauty. And for those of you that follow me on Facebook, I just uh, published or wrote a little bit of an expert about that word transcendence. It's one of my favorite words, so we'll get into that a little bit. She is a worldwide leader in the field of self-discovery and personal transformation from a bruised and battered beginning, one that could have sent her in the total opposite direction. She has truly risen to become 
who she is today, which is a best-selling author, a motivational speaker, a woman's advocate, health and fitness expert, and the nutritionist on the international hit TV show X-Weighted, which was seen in more than 15 countries. She's certified by the American College of Sports Medicine and Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, which is also my alma mater. Crystal is the CEO and founder of Crystal Andrews Productions, a company dedicated to creating health and healing products, CDs, DVDs, retreats, telecourses, as well as the founder of the SWAT Institute, which trains a next and new generation of coaches and uh, personal mentors. She has the website crystalandrus.com and, of course, the swatinstitute.com. I want to encourage you to visit those websites and check her out after the call today. Crystal, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being patient with all the technical glitches. No, it's all perfect. Thank you for having me, and I feel really honored, and I love the way you opened that up. It was just beautiful, and I know my bio is really long, and that should probably be shortened, <laughs> and, um, but that was beautiful. I love the intention you set, and I'm, I'm really excited about doing the show with you today, and don't mind my voice. I have to clear it every so often. I'm just getting over a little chest cold, so I'm, I'm excited to, to kick off your very first show though and and, and I love the work you're doing as well so kudos to you we are waking sleeping women and and kudos to both of us <laughs> yeah thank you so much and you know for for the people that don't know that haven't been following me I'm actually in Melbourne Australia right now where it's the ending of summer which is interesting because you're in Toronto Canada and you're sort of ending of winter um, yeah, it still really feels like we're in winter, but yes, <laughs> it's been the coldest. Yes, we've had the coldest February in 40 years, so we're not out of it. And I, uh, I you know, it doesn't faze me. The, the, I don't know. So everybody talks so much about weather, and I think, wow, I just can't imagine being that affected, that, that it can yeah. cause that kind of an effect on your life. But I listen to everybody all day long talking about how cold it is. So, yeah, I guess it's cold. And you're yeah, aware where it's nice exactly. and warm. I'm here in like in beautiful Melbourne, Australia. I'm looking out at a gorgeous sunny Good day. Good on you, girlfriend. Yes. Good that on is, you. Good on me. That is a very Australian saying. Good on you. I'm learning all these Australianisms <laughs> and it's fantastic. I absolutely love being here. But let's get into your story because it really, I mean, it's really, really inspiring. And even just that bit in your bio, you know, that hints at, you know, you could have gone in a complete opposite direction than where you've ended up and what you've done, not just for yourself and for your family and in your relationship, but for all the other women that you're inspiring and, you know, the new generation of coaches that you're also training. So would you share with us a little bit about your beginnings and about how your life changed around and what inspired you and how you became to be who you are today? Thank you. And thank you know, it's it's funny because I, I know that I always have to share a little bit of that story for people to get the full picture because I think we we wanna listen to somebody who's maybe walked in similar shoes and if they've figured out a way then maybe we can sort of listen and so I'm I, I understand the reason we have to share it. But in saying that, I do think there comes a point where, you know, it's important to Learn the lesson from the story, the gifts in the garbage, so to speak, and then take out the trash mm -hmm. and leave it out yeah. on the curb. Because I, I do think that we can really get caught up in our stories and how they've defined us and how they've hurt us and how they've, and those things are all true. If you can't recontextualize it somehow to find the gift in it and to, to regain your childlike wonder. And so for me, I, I, I actually think I was a really happy little girl. I think it's, it was natural for me. I love that you invited, invoked the Holy Spirit at the very beginning of this call because I think for me, being introduced to the concept of the Holy Spirit when I was in my early, early years, my, my maternal grandmother was a, 
was a love the Holy Spirit. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and, um, and she was so beautiful and loving. And so I had that influence of a maternal grandmother who I didn't get to see enough, but I got to see enough that she made me feel important and valuable and loved. And that can go a long way in life. And I say that to anybody. Don't ever think small acts of love and kindness. You know, sometimes when a person is really disempowered, they don't have the the skills and the tools to say thank you you're changing my life mm-hmm. but grace comes at a higher level of consciousness and a higher level of communication and so sometimes when we're really down in that place we just don't have grace but it doesn't mean we're not being touched and so I I did have people that really influenced me and touched me in small ways whether it was a teacher who recognized how smart I was or what was and those little bits I really believe saved my life when my parents split up when I was 12 my sister was only four and I really was a caretaker I call it mother energy and I really was in deep mother energy by the time I was 12 years old my dad my brother followed and my mom god bless her and i mean that although we haven't t- talked in in a long 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 time and that's sad and i send her love so i preface it with that but my mom you know that saying sort of like don't throw the babies out with the bath water my mom had to have been such a wounded woman to make the mistakes that she made and she made way too many and we were put in harm's way too many times and i can't speak for my sister but i will tell you that I went through a lot of sexual abuse and you know full-blown nightly rape and it from different people that it happened to come into my life because of my mom's choices and um, at 14 I I don't know if shame and you know I don't like the whole idea that we attract we attract all the suffering but I do think when you've had your dignity sort of ripped away from you maybe you do attract maybe you do send off a vibe that you're now um uh, really vulnerable because I just then went, just felt like I went through a series that if I almost told people, I wouldn't have told anybody at the time, I never told a soul. It just sounded too crazy to be true that you could be raped and stranger raped and wow. have that many of just terrible abuse. Whether it was like I'm playing sports in school and I go into the change room and the whole team on the other side, you know, I moved into Toronto at the time, I was living on my own, I, I my mom kicked me out at 15 and so I I went to school, and just whether it was like the whole team beating me up, or it just I went through way too many years of being a victim, and mm-hmm. I was victimized, and I took on, you know, there's a part of that where you, you're in such a passive position now because you've been so kicked around that you do probably attract the loser, the guy that's 25 and I'm 16 and he's beating me up, or yeah, I probably did at 17. Something clicked, and I believe it was that Holy Spirit. I believe it was the voice of my grandmother from the time I was little that I I deserved better than this. I had to make some changes. And so at 17, for the very first time, I went to the doctors and got a checkup and found out I had an STD and the early signs of cervical cancer that was um, a result of that STD because I'd probably gotten it when I had been young and was being sexually abused. And... um and I was living on my own, and I'd broken up with the idiot, and, and, and I would take the city bus by myself, and the cells of my cervix would just not stop. They just kept forming irregular cell formation, and it just continued. And so I went through a couple of years of dealing with uh, cervical cancer as a teenager on my own and taking the bus, and I was numb. At 21, I then I have this, like, crazy traumatic head injury. I have my head smashed in, and... And yeah, like it was just crazy. Then I have abnormal activity on my left temporal lobe and seizures. So it's like the full victim, you know. If someone wanted to tell a story, I could go, "Oh, I've had that. Oh, yeah, I had that." So it it almost got to be almost like this is embarrassing. Like how I don't even talk about this because this is way too many things. 
But through all that, I had some kind of fighting, willing spirit. And I made a change in my 20s, and it wasn't until after I thought at 21 when I got married, oh, I'm married, I'll get married, married. If I get married, I have children, children will love me. But I was still so, so looking for love. And I had my kids at 25 and 26, and that is absolutely what cracked my heart open. And oh, to experience wow. love in that way, the way I love these little girls, and it cracked my heart open. And it, it absolutely, for me, was an epiphany that people go, why did you get that? I don't know. But I knew, oh, my God, m- my parents had to have loved me. They were just had to be wounded. And people yeah. are mixed up. And there was just something. And I had to start looking at the way I was showing up in the world. And I had these little girls that were watching me. And they're now 20, you know. Um, but I wow. 20 and 18. And, you know, <laughs> but they watched me. And they were like, I just knew I got to get it together. And I left that marriage. And... I self-published my first book, and it my 30s were was just a amazing ride of building, and then coming into my 40s, and you know now seeing my two beautiful girls growing up to be really magnificent women in the world, it's sort of like oh this is just sweet, and and I'm at a really good place now, and I'm probably the happiest times a thousand that I've ever been, and so I know it doesn't matter what you come from. If you can heal those wounds and if you can authentically, authentically climb sort of your own communication scale where you learn how to speak for yourself and speak in a win-win way and articulate your needs and set healthy boundaries and if you can rise into that place, you really can start to create a great life for yourself and so that's now where I feel called and compelled to share the story with other women and give them the actual tools, not just the story. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, how extraordinary. And, you know, I love that at the beginning you said, yes, we sort of sometimes need to hear the story just to sort of almost get that, you know, before and after thing. But I love that you articulated that you know, it's really not about the story because each of us, every woman has a story. And you know, I love that you said at the beginning that, yes, this this part of my story happens in that narrative, but it doesn't define you. It doesn't define who you are, who you've become. And, you know, I love hearing, you know, the opportunity that you had of just experiencing that love and the grace through, through that with the birth of your children. It's just beautiful to hear that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to let you know, your phone was just a little, your Skype, I think, was just having a little bit of fritz. So if oh, anyone little, else little is listening, yeah. yeah. So if anyone else picked that up, just know I heard it too because I'm on a landline. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it, it is. And I think it's really important to know that, you know, talking about your past all the time doesn't mean you'll know yourself better. It doesn't because that's not who you are, all those stories and experiences. So that's, that's why I'm not a huge big one on, you know, I've had, and I saw it on your website, someone that said, you know, I've got more in a coaching session with you than I did years of therapy. And God bless therapists because we need to talk sometimes and we really need to talk things out and be validated and be accepted in order to make changes. But I think sometimes you can get too stuck in the story and at a certain point you have to find that place in your heart where you say, I'm ready to let go of the anger for all these well-learned lessons. I've yeah, learned that. And where are we going go Yeah, I got <laughs> it. I got the lesson. And, I'm, and you know, and I'm, I'm, I need to have the courage to make myself have a, a, a better life. I need to have the courage to stop being so caught up in the blame and look at the gift that I got of it and maybe it was that it woke me up to something and so for me look at the work that I get to do in the world now because of what I went through first with my mom being sexually abused all of those things I I don't know I 
I mean, you can never say, like looking back, everybody's got 2020 hindsight, but I don't know that anything about who I am today would be who I am, and I love where I am. So I, I have to have some level of forgiveness and understanding to make peace with that stuff. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't define you. And, and yeah, you know, of course, kudos to therapists and therapy. And, and God knows I've had, you know, my share going through my process and journey. But it really is about, you know, who, who are you today? And, and the word that, you know, keeps coming to me as I hear you speaking is the, is willingness. Like I just hear, that there is and was um, and a willingness within you to just... Well, I love okay, that, you know, the great thing. Today. Yeah, and there's a great saying where there's a will, there's a way, and I tell my daughters that all the time. You know, where there's a will, there's a way, and if you can remain as a willing spirit, and you can, that's very expansive, and you're really open-minded, and you're really kind of in the flow, and that's such a cliche term, but when you've actually entered the flow, you go, why would I not remain here and trust the signs, right? Like, they're just pointing me in the direction all the time, and life just keeps sort of unfolding so beautifully, so let's just go with it, but not in spite of it. Mm-hmm. And I you know, and that saying, uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, I used to think, like, you know, I used to hear the word will, and I used to think willpower and force is actually not that willingness to to surrender and allow yourself to be guided. So I love that. You yeah, that. and yeah. I got to tell you, you're going to kick yourself when you listen back to this because you're going to go, oh, my God, my Skype was just trying to not – my Skype was trying oh. to get in the way of this great interview, but <laughs> it's all good because every so often the right word comes through and I know exactly what you're talking about. But, it, oh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's all good. They're all good. See, but these are all the things that, you know, we, we don't let them phase us because it is what it is and we go with it and what's the lesson in it I don't know you won't use Skype next time I don't know you'll call it it and who cares but yeah I I think that and I I, yeah it's like rather than getting kind of riled up by things and I think a lot of people really misunderstand when we talk about surrendering I think a lot of people think surrendering means sort of like waving the white flag admitting defeat and that's I think the opposite of what you and I are suggesting it's sort of it's seeking truth over compliance. It's 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 a realize the realization sort of like I know you've you've I read a bit of your stuff and you talk about a course in miracles and in a course in miracles says you know whatever you defend against you create mm-hmm. and so the more you dig your heels in in unacceptance I don't accept you I don't accept this I do, I have some level of I think I have some level of knowledge and <laughs> righteousness that I know how things are supposed to be and I know how you're supposed to be and if only you would do it the way I'm telling you to do it and if only life would go the way and that man that really robs you of the experience of learning from everybody as it comes along and trusting that every experience whether it's the Skype that goes out or I nearly not getting connected to the phone before we got on, all those things instead of just kind of how can we expand this situation to its highest uh, greatest place and just let go of the expectation and the outcome and see what unfolds and trust that it's showing us the signs along the way, sort of like the Beatles singing, let it be. You know, you just, right. it, you live and let live, you relax and trust and you know that if you need to set a boundary, you will because you, you're, you have a sense of assertiveness and you have a sense of confidence and you, you can sort of show up with, with a real level of trust that I don't think I had for most of my life until my mid-30s, maybe even 40, before I really started kind of understanding, oh, I can trust myself to take care of myself. Yeah, that's so huge. That is so, so huge. I can trust myself that I will take care of myself so I can go anywhere in the world and I can experience anything because I know I will take care of myself and I will not put myself in, 
in in a situation that and it and, and and it's okay because I look at what I've already come through and it all made me stronger. So I would never seek out anything that's traumatic. I would always move away in the direction. You know, I love the story of how as devastating as those tsunamis were. You know, do you know no animals were killed except for domestic animals because they all had a sense of knowing they could trust their instincts to know. Uh And so all the animals went to high ground and all of the domesticated pets that were chained up. And, of course, the people who no longer could trust or we've just been, we've had that taken out of us, that instinct Uh to to know. But I think the more that you sort of let go and follow the signs, they're there so much so that uh, my husband last night said to me, that must be so amazing that you live that way that you know like our internet goes down yesterday I'm sending in my final draft of my manuscript and I swear to God if the internet had not gone down they would have gotten a version that something in me sat for five more hours and continued to read and found about 80 mistakes that I wow I know that sounds so silly but then the internet came on and I hit the send button I was like oh my god I love my book now I can't believe how much better. Like, not that I'm saying yeah. the universe shut down 11,000 homes of power yesterday <laughs> for me. No. Of course not. It wasn't for me. But take advantage but of the circumstance and it's the what reason. It's for you. And, and if yeah. it wakes you up and you go, oh, there's a sign that this is there is a reason this is happening. I'm going to trust it. And, it. and it's really important though not to 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 mistaken those signs with fear, because fear comes wrapped up really close to. You know, it just is, is fear really counts on you to, to perceive those signs like, I can't get on the radio show, that must be a sign I'm not supposed to do this with you. No, that's, yeah. that's fear. <laughs> that's reading into things in a fearful way. So if you're a willing spirit, you go, okay, wh- how's another way to do this? Exactly, and yeah. How would we do this? And then we would trust and know. And, and if it really didn't connect, there would be a certain point we'd go, let's try this again next Sunday. Like, we don't, we're not saying it's the end, but we're saying there was something, there's some reason, and it's okay. And anyways, we're going off in a direction I never anticipated. But it's Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, I, I love that you brought up The Course in Miracles. I, you know, I'm a perpetual student. Um, and You know, I've never you know, read the book, but I just hear these little lines from people, and I go, yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. I have it. It sits on my yeah. desk, and I keep saying, I'm going to get into that one. That's going to have to be a book I'm going to have to get into. So, Well, you know, that's like me, and I've more intensely got into it just in the last, I would say, year. But, yeah, I mean, it is, it's a process. I love the analogy about the chains because – you know, the first the first lesson in the Course in Miracles book is that nothing I see means anything. And what that really gets to the root of is these stories we make. And the analogy you use about the animals and the domestic animals in chains, you know, it's looking at the places, where am I in chains? Where can exactly. I be free? Uh, and trust where my have instinct, I, and, trust the and, flow. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I get excited and I cut people off all the time. <laughs> okay, I got to work go on ahead. it. Go ahead. No, I'm I really have to work on it. I'm the um, same way. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, it's it, that's exactly it. And you know, I the latest book that I'm writing is called The Emotional Edge, and it's really about how can you expand, just like you know uh, Stephen Hawking's in A Brief History in Time, brilliant physicist. Of course, the world knows him. They just did that great movie about his life, and you know, he talks about sort of we live in this infinite, ever expanding universe. Science says this not woo woo not religion they don't know and but this from the science we live in this ever expanding universe and the planets are slowly moving away from each other and if you sent a, a rocket into the air with enough force gravity would not be able to pull that rocket down 
and it will just continue going infinitely. And so that teaches us something about us. We're a microcosm of that ever-expanding universe. And so our purpose here on Earth is to expand ourselves, expand our lives, expand consciousness, expand, expand, not contract. And so if you imagine that you have a desire and that desire really is the root, it's, it's, the, it's the rocket leaving Earth, and if that desire is powerful enough, it will move with such speed that just like, you know, it can't contract, it won't pull back. And so I'm, I'm just a really big one on sort of bridging science and spirituality in a way that anybody that wanted to argue with me on either side, I would say, but this is science, this makes sense. And if you can kind of look at your life that way, we are meant to expand, we're meant to to create, we're, we're meant to, and when you really actually access that space, it's just beautiful. It's, it's just like this really beautiful experience, and it's taken me a long, long, long time to get there and stay there, and my fingers are crossed that it will remain. And if it doesn't, at least uh-huh. I have the tools to find my way back there again. And you really do have to focus on what you want and where you're going and being not just a positive thinker, but but making peace with the parts of it. There's just so much. I think there's a lot to the healing experience. And, you know, I, I love the process of it because I think once you've had a healing, you get this huge surge of energy again that, that takes you to the next level in your life. Yeah. I just, you know, we talk about the whole, the whole topic of women's empowerment. When I hear the word empowerment, what I really get to is that place where what you're saying, you know, I, I feel empowered because I can trust myself and I can trust my higher self, you know, universe, God, spirit, Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever's comfortable for you to use. That word empowerment to me really is the epitome of that trust and that flow. And I mean, it sounds like you, you have access to that daily and it's so inspiring to, to hear you speak about that. And I think that, I think what a lot of us don't have enough of the history books is that, you know, where you are in Australia was actually New Zealand and Australia were the very first countries in the entire world. And then Canada, 1917, United States, 1920. You know, when we really think about it, it was 1955. Rosa Parks was still saying, I don't want to get up from my seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. We have a long way to go. It was 1993. Black women in South, Amer- South Africa were not even considered a person by law yet. They couldn't vote, couldn't own property, couldn't own a possession. They didn't. I mean, we have a long way to go for the empowerment of women. And, you know, I sometimes still I say, I say this with pure love when I hear a woman that lives in Canada maybe and says, we've done it ladies get over it let's it's like oh my gosh there are still millions and millions of women all over the world who you know are even now are considered nothing more than a domestic commodity there are women who can't drive a car in countries where they're just not permitted they're not considered a person yet by law and so it really that the world is counting on women like us but not, you know, feminism was, I don't think, intended to cause the breakdown of the American family, even if it did. It was meant to yeah. give women their rights and to, right. to, to have them the same way men have them. And so we're not there yet, but I think there's a new group of us emerging, and we are about the higher levels of communication. The Dalai Lama said in 2009 at the Vancouver Peace Summit, the Western woman will heal the world. And it created a big ruckus, but I really believe that because... We are now taking 
anger, which is always the catalyst of change, whether it was abolishing slavery 210 years ago, whether it was the women's movement 100 years ago, whether it was the, you know, Selma that was just at the Academy Awards. I saw Oprah, and I mean, I just cry watching all that mm-hmm. stuff because whether it's them marching, whatever it was, 40 years ago, great change comes because people get angry enough. And we're not, as women, taught what to do with our anger. So we're... We've only seen healthy, unhealthy, rather, expressions of it. So we don't know what to do with it. And so we've all become angry. <laughs> and there's a lot of women that are angry. And we don't even know what we're angry about. But we're always angry. And we're just pissed off all the time. And I really think that those countries where they're still very patriarchal and where they're communist and where they're third world countries where women have no rights, they're watching us. And so when the Dalai Lama said the Western woman will heal the world, I believe him. Because we have the ability to expand our consciousness and to take anger to a higher level and to really speak in a way that we can communicate our needs. And those patriarchal men on those countries are watching us. And if we can shift Western nations as sort of the role model, the way to lead the way, where we begin to you know, forge the family back together and we begin to turn toward our partners with love and acceptance and create a new love language and, you know, you know, rebuild those bridges and we're all equal. I said that to my husband this morning. He said something. He goes, oh, God, i got to be married to I said, honey, I just want us to be equal. I don't want to. He goes, oh, the boss, something about the boss has spoken. And I go, I don't want to be your boss. But I looked at him really clearly in his eyes. I said, but I do want to be your equal. And he, but he, he got it. He kind of smiled and went, I want you to be my equal. And that's all I want. That's all I want for women is just never not to be power hungry and, and not to remember what it means to be a woman, which is love. If one, I want that word woman to represent something in the world. I want it to one day represent love and joy and peace. I want when someone hears the word woman that it's actually an archetype. Because right now there isn't one. We have an archetype of mother. We have the archetype of daughter. In fact, for thousands of years, women were actually called, and if you read any of the, the books on the women's movement, it's like a drudge or a doll. You either be, be mm-hmm. so damn cute that you can take care of your man sexually and be a trophy, or you better be really good at feeding him, taking care of the children, cleaning the house. But there was no archetype for woman. And, you know, people have talked to me about Joseph Campbell and archetypes and the hero and, you know, the all the different archetypes for men, the knight in shining armor. and the, But there's no archetype, believe it or not, in all the books ever written on archetypes mm-hmm. for the word that woman. That is just woman. Yeah. Woman. What does it mean to be a woman? And so we, you and I, and women like us, we are in uncharted territory and we're, we're the role models. We're trying to say, I want to find a way so that the word woman you know, has a, an identity of strength and beauty and mm. love and peace and joy so that when when someone says that when a woman steps on the stage, it, it represents something that's magnificent. And yeah. we, we're not there yet. And so that's why there's still so much work that has to be done. In, in many countries, the word woman means uh, domestic commodity. Yeah, you and know? It's, a, it's such an important topic. I mean, I've been... You know, one of the one of the things that I teach and that I uh, principles that I also uh, try to impart with my clients and the people I work with is that essential place of your true feminine power. So not the place where we're operating in the patriarchal masculine and we're trying to be something we're not, but finding that true place of power within us, which, as you said, 
does come from a place of love and 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 the power of that is so much greater than any kind of external front or power and you know, I've been reading a lot of books lately, and, um, you know, one of the books I was reading recently was talking about this whole feminine movement and how it was beautiful that we needed this. We, at the time, we needed that. We needed that uprising. We needed that anger, and we still, in some places, like you said, need that right. anger because it works as a fuel as, as for change, as a catalyst for change. But then coming to a place where we haven't really lost ourselves and what it means to be a woman, which, as you said, is is love, which I, I absolutely love that you articulated that in that way. And it's just beautiful to, to hear how you're applying that. Yeah. And the book that I have coming out is not out until uh, December 29th. It's been a I've never had a project like this. And don't get me wrong. I built the SWAT Institute and that was a five year undertaking and, you know, probably millions of dollars. But this book has been probably a three-year process. And my other books, I wrote in a month. You know, I'd write in six weeks. I'd write in, this book has been three years back and forth with my editor and, and my my publisher, Random House, has just been so patient and working and back and forth and conversations and we got to get this right. And and so I sort of believe, you know, you know, you're talking about what's that balance. And, you know, I believe within all of us, whether it's a man or a woman, but if we think women, I almost do it like a triangle and I think of it as a trinity. And it's interesting, you know, in, in religion, it might be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I say, well, what if it's the mother? and the daughter or what if it's the selfless and the self-ish and then at that center point at the part is the self and so it really is about transcending and you were talking using that word and that's what transcendence is so it's like you know for a lot of us we only had mother and daughter almost like a spectrum and you were either so selfish and the daughter energy or you were so selfless and we just went back and forth back and forth and trying to find the balance but it's really about transcending about you know, rising up, rising through, making larger in a, in this sort of accessing this aspect of ourselves where it's the noblest part of being selfless and the noblest part of being selfish. And when you can find that place, it's you give of yourself but not up yourself. You you you're refilled. You're you know, there's just it's just sort of this beautiful balancing act. And and that to me is what woman energy is. What it means to be a woman is. It's a, it's a, it is a, that's why the book is called The Emotional Edge. It's that edge right at the top of that, of that pyramid, of that sort of balancing act. And when you, you can feel yourself as you're sliding down one side and you go, oh, I'm overgiving. I'm too much in mother energy. I'm becoming codependent. I'm rescuing everybody. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you know, it's, I'm becoming really demanding. I want people to take care of me. Nobody's listening. I'm freaking out. I'm slamming the door. I'm, that doesn't work either. Exactly. Right? So it's, it's really the balancing of like, how do I be a doll in the world? No, I don't want you to be a drudge. But how do I, how do I really embody, right? The part of me that loves and cares and nurtures because that's part of who I am as a woman. But also embodying my, my dreams. My joy, yeah. my passion, and, and, and how to bridge that. Sides. Loving both sides, right? Because that's, our, that's right. Yeah, because, I mean, I've, like many women, like you get caught up in the, well, you know, you mentioned like the other side where maybe I'm being demanding or I'm being needy or I'm being codependent. And, you know, I've gotten caught up in this as well where there's such a judgment about those those things like, oh, that's, I don't want to show that, you know, like I used to say, oh, I don't want to show people my ugly. That's what I used to say. Right. And, and absolutely. so the process of going through and loving and accepting, you know, um, putting together a program coming up, working on the shadow self and how you can work to love 
Oh, absolutely. You're going to love this book I'm writing. <laughs> We're in the same so realm excited. right now. Yes. It's oh, exactly what I'm teaching as well, and we both need to say it in our own ways, but that's exactly. I think we've, we've all been taught sort of like there's parts of us we're proud of, and we, we, you know, we show up, and when we are on our first dates, we, we, you know, we, we show the world a part of us that, you know, we think these qualities are important and they're valued in life, and then there's aspects of our humanity that we're mortified of and we are ashamed of, and we would never want the world to think we could ever be. Mm-hmm. And we hide and bury those aspects of ourselves. And, you know, I, I, we talk about empowerment. You know, all the great religious texts say that God gave us free will. And the reason God gave us free will, if you believe in God, or it's just simply the expansion of the universe, is that the only way to expand consciousness, the only way to feel empowered, the only way to make the right choice is to have the option or the duality of both. If you didn't have duality, you, if you didn't have dark and light, as much as we would go, well, why would God put the darkness in the world? Well, God didn't put the darkness in the world. He put free will in the world. He put free yeah, choice. Yeah, we, we put that in we there. We did what we did, but it was part of who we had to be to make mm-hmm. the choice to do good, to shine light. And so I always think when my dark side comes out, I can't hate it and give it 40 lashes. I used to. I'd drink a bottle of wine or maybe three, wake up the next morning and get out my metaphorical whip and lash myself a thousand times. Why'd you do that last night? Even if I had the best time with my girlfriends. Even if I had the best time and all the girls got together and we drank two bottles of wine and we talked all night and it was so beautiful and I still would wake up the next morning being, I can't believe you drank all that and you're a loser and you're really bad and you got to get your shit together and sorry for swearing but you know all the calories and you're going to lose your waistline and you've got to get on that treadmill. And now I wake up and go, wow, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, I have a headache and I drink some water and but that was a good time. Now i got to balance that out and there's not all that self-loathing that robs us of and our how empowerment. Can you take care of yourself in every moment. How you can take care of, like when you're with your girlfriends and you're having fun, you're taking care of yourself. You're being, you're enjoying. Yeah, I'm having a and great time. And the next day, fine. I'm gonna have to drink a lot of water. <laughs> there's a bit of a headache, but yeah, you're gonna just take care of yourself and not go drink a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. Water, water, water. Yeah, yeah but it's exactly. it's it's just a difference in the way that you treat yourself. And I never could have understood it years ago. I would have wanted to, you know. I I it was easy to love myself when I'd left my husband, lost all the weight from my pregnancies, was had a booming career, it's easy to love yourself. It really is. And to teach self-love when you're in that place where your life is great. But how do you love yourself when it all falls apart, you lose everything, your partner cheats on you, he walks out and your kid nearly dies, or whatever. You know, these are some, how do you then say, I still love myself? Well, that's the time you have to. That's actually the time that you have to go, how can I love myself even if I'm fat? How can I love, do I deserve to be pleasured if I'm fat? Of course I do. Do I only deserve to be have great sex if I'm, you know, my husband and I, in an honest moment, we go through this because he's younger than me. And when I was starting, you know, hitting a little bit older than him, and I would say, honey, he'd go, don't use that excuse that it's your age. You've got to still keep it up, get to the gym. And now he's hitting that age, and it's happening. And I go, honey, you still deserve great love, pleasure, joy, even if you don't have abs of steel. Age, age with me, honey. Our yeah. our sex life shouldn't be dependent on having perfect bodies. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. if we have a great sexy that. body, then we can have great sex. But if we're chubby, we no longer deserve great sex. Like, it's uh, love yourself with every age and stage. 
because it changes. I love that. And, and, you know, do things because you deserve them, not because I have to go work out and I have to be this size and I have to look this way. But if you're going to do it, it's like, cause, you know what, I really want to do this for me because I deserve it. Or I think if you understand the science behind exercise, and I don't even realize how much I love science until I talk like that, but when you understand the science behind, you know, John Rady, Dr. John Rady, MD, PhD, he's one of, written one of the best bark books called Spark, and it's the revolutionary science. I can't believe I can remember that off the top of my head. <laughs> but sort of the revolutionary new science behind exercise, and a lot of us don't understand that it actually, there's a, when you exercise, and really it's only 20 minutes intense interval training, but just enough to be like, like back when, you know, we had to move our bodies all the time. It actually released a protein in the bloodstream that went up to the brain that recon helped reconnect receptor sites. And the brain engaged. And it wasn't just the endorphins, which are amazing. It's not just the fact that it makes you have more growth hormone, which gives you younger. It's that it literally re-sparks and refires the brain. And it will keep you smart and young and alive and vibrant and healthy and happy. And it fights depression and ADHD. And there's science behind this focus memory aging so when I go okay so I might still be a little chubby but I just blasted my brain circuits okay I did good that's yeah. great yeah awesome. great I, I did great like I, I just it. danced around my house for <laughs> half an hour blasted the music I'm laughing it's fun it's not because I have to enter the fitness competition and I need to have my skin oiled up with abs of steel and god bless if, if that's what lights you up go for it but I've been there go for it and I know the emptiness at the other side so for me it was empty on the other side I've been on the cover of fitness magazines. I did all that. And then I got fat. And then I got thin. And then I got lean. And then I got where I realized, oh, my God, none of that is who I am. Mm. That's my body. It's a container. It's like going into a beautiful home decorating store and seeing all different shapes and sizes and colors of containers. I think our container changes, and I want to keep it as strong and young and and vital and viral and and stimulated and alive but if my joy in life comes from the appearance of the container i'm robbing myself and my partner of of so many great experiences you know i had a woman that just said the other day she's learning really starting to make this click and she said for the first time in 35 years i let my husband lay his hand on my stomach when we were sleeping Aww. And I said, imagine the 35 years that you've robbed you and your husband of great pleasure. You have a beautiful stomach. I don't care if it's 40 pounds heavier than you'd like it to be. It's you. Mm. And when you can love you in spite of you, that stomach might even just go away. Yeah. And if it doesn't, mm -hmm. maybe you'll just love yourself anyway. What a beautiful story of vulnerability, too, and just allowing yourself to be in that process. And... I just, oh, I just, I can't even, I, I could talk to you for like three hours. I love this. It's fantastic. Mm. You're, you know, you're appealing to the, the science nerd in me and I'm sure all of us that are listening and then, you know, this beautiful spiritual side. And I, I love the way you speak so passionately and so vibrantly, not just about your life and your experience, but, you know, when you talk about the body being the vehicle, basically, it's like, yes how are we going to be the best of ourselves in this world? And I really, truly believe that we're all here to be of service to each other somehow. Like I said, just at the top of the hour, like we're yeah, all just walking each that. other home, yeah, you know? Absolutely. 
And just that your body's a vehicle. So how could I feel the best in this body so that I could be the best for other people? And then it just it stops becoming about you and about the story, like you said at the beginning, and it's yeah, bigger than you. Like, look at how, what a great way to keep women small. Focus on your fat, ladies. Yeah. You won't have enough energy left over to write books or build an international coaching school or launch your own radio show. You won't have enough energy left over if no, you give up that struggle. Because <laughs> that's a full-time job, managing yeah. your weight loss struggles. I've been there. Mm-hmm. That's a full-time mm-hmm. job. Looking in the mirror and hey. analyzing, stepping on the scale, and blah, 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 and how do I look? Am I sexy enough? Am I? There's a sense that has come with me at my age, and I have these gorgeous, shockingly beautiful daughters who I still see them saying, I don't know, do I look thin enough in this? And I just want to go, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're perfect. Enjoy yeah. this body. Because when I was 20 and perfect, I was always thinking I had to be a little thing and a little that, and I had to get that off, and I had to get the bum built up, and I had to get this thing. And if I could have just, and I did think I looked great, but I was constantly still, God, how much energy it took thinking about how I looked. Yeah, well, and, and constantly looking outside of ourselves for, for who we are or our identity and our validation. For love, validation. Love. I'm good enough. I'm And yeah, and when everybody goes, you're good enough. Oh my God, you're so good. Oh, you're good. Oh, you're good. You're good, good, good. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a false sense of, of self too. Because yeah, would absolutely. I still be good if I had breast cancer and lost both breasts? Would I still, can I still love myself if any of them, if I lost my legs, can I, do I still love myself if I get sick and I have to take some kind of medication that puts 50 pounds on me? All of that stuff sucks. We would never choose any of those things. That would be awful. And we want a beautiful, healthy, vibrant body. But what if? How can you love yourself in spite of? That's the quest. Is that's, yeah. And that's what love is. And the love is the thing that heals all things. It really does. All things. Absolutely. And but, you know, saying to someone, when you have someone who's so self-loathing and, you know, just so hard on themselves and saying, you know, what are you going to do? And I hear them go, I'm just going to love myself. I just think, well, that's futile. You can't go from where you're at to love. That's like the bottom of the mountain and the top of the mountain. You're going to have to climb your way. And part of that is dealing with who you're mad at and facing your anger and you know, really accessing the wounds that are buried inside of you and surrendering the story around them and finding the the gift in the garbage, doing the work. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people are afraid because they think if they dig into that stuff, it'll be like an avalanche of emotions that will come pouring out on them and they'll be buried in it. But it doesn't work that way. Your, Your mind is so brilliant, it will only allow you to process enough at a time to mm-hmm. still function. That's your yeah. self-preservating mechanism. Well, and sometimes we think we're going to get stuck in the eye. Like even if the avalanche does come and even if there is an emotion, all it wants to do is have a voice and be felt. And often it doesn't last anywhere near as long as we think it's going to last. And I love that you just said have a voice. So what I always say is when that stuff comes out, for me, I have like... 25 different archetypes. I had about 80 archetypes in this new book, but we've narrowed it down to 20. And 10 parent archetypes, 10 daughter archetypes, or 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 child archetypes, and then what it means to be an empowered adult. But find that voice, just like that, in your journal, and say, like, who's here right now? I'm a I'm a helpless child. I'm a charmer. I'm a seductress. I'm I'm the addict. 
I'm, who's just come out, the martyr. I'm, who, how am I feeling right now? If I could give this, for me, it's like an archetype, but it could be anything. I feel pissed off. What age are you? I'm an angry teenager. Okay, let your angry teenager have a voice. Let her tell you why she's so angry. Because if you can give voice to that buried stuff, it's almost like by calling it forth, you're hugging the the angry teenager. Mm -hmm. And, And you, the woman you are today, is saying, oh, my God, I thought that if I just buried you, you'd go away. But that would be like putting my angry teenager in the basement and locking the door in her for 40 years. Eventually, she's going to bust through the door and come screaming at me. Absolutely. And it's that whole old adage, like, what you resist will persist. Persist. You know, Carl Jung said that until you make the unconscious conscious, it is going to run your life. It's going to run your world. Absolutely. And it does. And so I, I think that's the greatest, for me, the greatest work is me learning how to love my fat girl. It's learning how to love my alcoholic. It's learning how to love the seductress. It's learning how to love the little martyr that rescues everybody and is always a victim. It's learning how to love all those parts of myself and saying, wow, she really came out yesterday or this morning, and why? And how do I love her and tell her and give her what she needs so that she feels loved? And and I know that sounds so crazy, but it's so liberating. And that's, I think, what Iyana Vanzat meant when she, you know the name of her book, Peace from Broken Pieces, when you mm-hmm. find all those broken parts of you, and when they sort of fragmented off along the way, you know, you have a little little girl at four that fragments off and becomes a helpless child, and then you have this wounded teenager that fragments off, and then maybe you have the seductress in your twenties that she learns how powerful she can be, and then we have all these versions of us along the way, and and they all sort of fragment off at times when. We feel scared that we we don't have the power to navigate our way through this, so we form this version of us, just like an actress. And yeah, and play the we, part. They play parts for us, but that's what it means to you know. I loved uh, Jane Fonda said on Owen's Masterclass: "We're not meant to be perfect; we're meant to be whole." And what that oh, means is beautiful. finding all those parts of you that served a purpose along the way, and saying, "I accept you. Thank you. You came along at a time when I didn't know how to get through." And I'm I'm not embarrassed of you any longer. I'm not embarrassed that I partied too much. Or I was promiscuous, or I I wow I I'm so sorry that I've been so ashamed of you. And oh, that self healing, right? That self healing is what helps us feel whole. And and I oh. think that's what Jane Crystal, Fonda sort of spoke to. Tell us the name of your book again. That's coming out. Um, you know, we recapped the other three at the top of the hour, but with this new book that's coming out with these archetypes and this beautiful work that you're sharing, uh, tell us the name of that book again, so people. Well, it's, it's, it's it right for. now. The working title is okay. the emotional edge. What is your emotional age? And emotional age is a concept that I can't believe I created, but it's never been done before in psychology. They've sort of alluded to it, but. Yeah. I I realize that, you know, we all have a biological age, scientists have theorized, right. right? But no one has actually come up with a spectrum or a way to sort of recognize your emotional age. So in this book, The Emotional Edge, it's I've created the empowerment spectrum, and it's really about sort of where you fall on that spectrum. And there's an age, before, whether it's that helpless child, all the way up to the ruler, you know, the archetype of that, that queen, the king, the matriarch, the patriarch. Um, mm-hmm. up to really the goddess. Yeah, the and there's somewhere along the way, like this is something that I, I worked with a few years back, that, 
yeah, there's there's pieces along the way where where you get stuck and you don't actually realize you were stuck. I, I was doing some work this is years back, and I was I was speaking something out and I I was saying, oh my gosh, I am stuck at 18 years old. Right. And the person I was speaking to said, what do you mean? I said. I have been regurgitating the same thing since I was 18. Like, yes. it's just been, like, yes. this revelation. That's, and that's so beautiful because when you can recognize it, you realize all of a sudden it's like, you know how many women I've worked with where I go, well, no wonder you eat the way you eat. You're a teenager. You are, you're yeah. still a teenager. So you, you no wonder you don't want to have sex with your 80, or not 80, your 60 year old husband because emotionally you're a stunted 14 year old that still eats potato chips every night and wants right. to watch movies and you're lazy and you don't want because you're a teenager. Because oh, you're operating in life as a teenager. This is your emotional age. So and so, I'm so excited for this book. I said I couldn't like we've been so I mean, like I said, Crystal, I literally could extend this show another two hours and just know, keep I, talking I, I, to you because I absolutely love what you have to say. And it's just, uh, of course, it's so in alignment and it's so exciting to hear your excitement. Um, I wonder if you have. So, you know, I have some daily practices that I do that just sort of keep me in alignment. They sort of they keep me in check. They keep me connected to spirit or God and even into my internal compass. And I know that if I don't do them every morning, you know, it's, it doesn't feel right. Is there anything that you do? Is there any special thing that you do daily that uh, maybe you could share with the women that are listening that maybe they can start to incorporate or Yeah, yeah. That, and yeah. I, I think it's all about self-care. And I think it's mm-hmm. about what really, if you were to ask yourself, um, you know, what would a day of radical self-care look like? and you were to jot some of those things down, you'd realize it's not really radical. It's usually like, you know, everybody has their own idea of what they need because we all have an inner wisdom of what we need a little more of or a little less of to get back into balance. So mine changes. And I would say right now I'm going through a phase, and I so don't mean this to sound like I'm so enlightened, I don't have any rituals <laughs> anymore, but I'm kind of going through a phase when I think it's because I'm writing so much that I feel like I'm in that place all the time right now. So I'm sort of just floating through it. But when I get off track, um, I know there's like the the most basic things are, you know, I, I I have to make sure I'm exercising consistently. I have to make sure I'm drinking a lot of water through the day. I have, I bathe a lot and a lot in Epsom, like Himalayan salts. And olive oil. I know it sounds crazy, but when I'm really having to go ritualistic, and I, it almost sounds OCD, but I do at times get OCD in an honest moment where I just feel like I'm so in the flow and I can't be out of the flow and I'm writing and great stuff is coming through me. Yeah, I'm, I'm fanatical. I sound like a cuckoo bird. You know, I've never told anybody this. I'm fanatical about keeping my feet clean because I feel like the feet are, I don't know, I, I get fanatical about like I will have like daily uh, foot bath and then I'll put olive oil all over my feet and then I have like a certain pairs of shoes like I can be OCD because I just <laughs> I can be crazy but I'm yeah like I save the house a lot I do holy water I like I really can be like when I'm really in the flow I feel like no we got to keep the flow moving and I can be like a total shaman crazy person and then there's other times where I'm just as mainstream plugged into life and Facebook and work and I'm always conscious of how I eat not that I don't have all my little splurges but I don't splurge on things like potato chips much or chemical kind of things but great decadent meals made with real food 
and organic and non-GMOs and like really wonderful food and cooking I love to do and a great glass or bottle of wine with my husband and a lot of bubble baths. I have an infrared sauna. I have a vibration machine. I'm all about keeping the lymphatic system clear. I'm not fanatical anymore about my weight, although I always stay around a certain weight, but I'm a lot about just sort of beautiful, high-resonating music. Um, bathing, I don't know, I sound like a nut bar, but I'm like cleanliness is next to godliness, but not in a germy way. Nobody else's germs bug me or anything like that. But I'm I'm really kind of, yeah, it's always just sort of about yeah. rinsing and cleansing and water, and I stay in this high resonating place, and um, I just feel like that's where I do my best work. Yeah, and you know what, I guess you, may, you bring up a good point, because it, it doesn't matter what you do, but it, the the essence behind it is the self care. So you know, it's yes. giving that gift to yourself. I mean, I um one of the rituals that I used to have all the time that I got off of for so long and just recently was reminded of again is just waking up and intentionally doing something for myself. So you know, making a cup of hot water with lemon, or even making my coffee in the morning, and just almost intentionally saying like I'm doing this for me, like it, yes. putting that energy behind it that it's self care. Yes, and I think that is, again, when I go back to religious texts or people that get really caught up in the ritual, I understand rituals for the sake of mindfulness. So the gift of a ritual for me, whether it's like I go through a phase where I sound like a lunatic when I say this, but I'm like literally where I'm like I get the the Epsom salts going in the little foot thing and I I put the oil on my feet and I – it's my ritual – but it's a mindfulness. It's a whole act of mindfulness to prepare for writing. Yeah, so it's, it's really, intention. it's my intention. And I'm going to write and I need to be in that space and I sage the room and I light the candles and I do things in three. I'm a, I'm a funny little one about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the selfless, the selfish, the self. I, I do these little things and it's sort of, it's all for me because it's setting that mindfulness and that intention around how important this work is. Mm-hmm. how important I need to be in that place and getting rid of all the distractions. That's the point of the ritual is to be present, to bring yourself to this moment. And and to me, that's why religions have rituals, but you can create your own and you've got to find, you know, it's like why baseball players will be like during certain times they do and they do the same way with their arm before every, because they've now created yeah. a ritual. And it's not that that's that ritual. They can't have it for me. If my ritual changes, I don't worry. But it's 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 a, it's a it's an act of mindfulness and self care, like you said. Yeah, I love that. Beautiful. And and yeah, it doesn't like you said. As long as the the intention is behind it, and it's and even and love and, and of love and self care, and you know, I'm doing this like I love that. You know, your preparation is that, but someone else's preparation might be something different. For me, you know, for me, I have to get up in the morning and I have to connect with God because I just I feel like it sets me right. And I just you know, and I don't do anything special. I just literally sit there and say, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. I'm here, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's the important thing for each person. You know, there were times in my life where the minute I got up, I pulled on my running shoes, I took a swig of water, I walked out my front door, and I ran a 10K. And I would talk to God the whole time I was running, and I'd come in in almost the same way, and I'd take off my running shoes and put on fresh, organic, free-range, you know, coffee from a place where it was fair trade. Like, I had my funny little things, and then I would 
sit in my journal and I would write all the thoughts I had while I was running and I would sip my coffee. And then that was, I did that for probably five years. That was my morning oh. ritual. And I prayed and I set my intention for the day. And then, you know, running outside was hard on my hips and I found yoga. And then, so what I'm saying is it doesn't matter, but it's, it is about self-care. And I do a lot of self-care. And even though I work extensive hours, and if someone only watched me on Facebook or in my sort of itinerary, they'd go, wow, do you ever take a break? Yes, because I've created a life where I work from home, and I can do this anywhere in the world, and my husband can travel with me, and my kids are getting older. And I can literally, in between this interview, I had a beautiful bubble bath, and I blah, 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 and then I do my interview, and then my husband and I will go out for a nice dinner. And But it's it's I've created a life where it's all meshed together. And so that love flows throughout my work into my self-care, back into my work, into my self-care. It doesn't turn on and off like a stop clock or someone punching in every day to work. Yeah. Well, because it's in, it's infused in everything that you do, and, yeah. and I think that's just beautiful. So I'm so grateful to you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and sharing with us your light, your energy, your love, and all of these beautiful insights. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have you on this show. And you can find out more about Crystal at crystalandrus.com and the SWAT Institute. And I just absolutely cannot wait for this book to come out now. I can't believe it's December, end of December, you said, right? <laughs> so now it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like almost a whole year away. But I can't wait for it to come out and just to keep following you and learning from you. And, again, thank you so much thank for you. your time thank and energy you. for being here. And good luck on the show and have me back. Yeah, I absolutely will. Like I said, like I I I see a part two and and maybe a part three and maybe when your That'd book comes out, I'd love to That'd have you great. on when the book comes out. Sure, great. And congratulations to you all the work you're doing. And you know, same thing. You can just feel your level of confidence. It's wonderful. It's so beautiful to hear and and just keep shining. The world needs you so much too. Thank so so much. Kudos to both of us and to all yeah. those shepherds out there. I say women, yes. Yes, just keep shining your light. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising, everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 